All right. Might as well get after it. Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, New York Rangers. We are joined by Tom Ertz of Blue Shirt Banter, hot off a West Coast road trip. Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. How about you? Good, thank you. Um, so I guess to start, I saw yesterday that um, Alexis Lafreniere has been added to the COVID protocol. Um, is there anyone else notable that will be out for this game? So that is kind of up in the air. Um, the only reason I say that is, you know, just before I hopped on, they announced a lot of guys were going um, uh, being assigned to Hartford. So I don't know if those moves were were made with anticipation of people coming off the COVID protocol. Um, I know that Barkley Goodrow has been in COVID protocol. Ryan Reeves has been in COVID protocol. Julian Gauthier has been in, in COVID protocol. And um, head coach Gerard Gallant has been in COVID protocol. So um, I guess that's to be determined. But for now, it seems like uh, Lafreniere is just the, the newest to, to miss. Um, and obviously, uh, Igor Shosturkin just came off the COVID protocol. Um, mm. And I would expect him to, to play against uh, the Flyers. Okay, so Lafreniere for sure. We won't be seeing yes. those other guys are maybes. Um, yeah. And lucky us, we get to see Shostakin, who is good, and that is annoying. Um, so the Rangers have, from what I've seen, been playing some pretty good hockey lately. Um, over the last month or so, I had the schedule up, and then I didn't. Let's take a look here. Um, so in the last week, beat the Sharks three to nothing, lost to the Kings three to one, beat Anaheim four to one. Lost to Vegas five to one, four to one win over Edmonton, and started off the month with a four to nothing win over Tampa Bay, which is pretty impressive considering Tampa's very good. Um, how would you say generally things have been going for the Rangers lately? So it's kind of hard because, like, I think back to the last time I was on with you, and um, it was around the time where you know I was saying like the Rangers got off to a hard start, but they were carried by goaltending. Um, and then, you know, then they had another stretch of games where they really started to kick it into gear and they weren't carried by their goaltending. So on the whole, the Rangers underlying numbers have been pretty bad, whether it's, you know, just puck possession or expected goals. And it's been a situation where their power play has been really, really good. And the goaltending has been really good, more so of late it's been Alexander Gorgiev, you know, last night, notwithstanding, but again, it, like we complain about it. Um, and, and you get those folks that are like, Hey, look at where they are in the division. And I, I guess to a point, this is a sport where there's a lot of weird shit that happens and you want teams that, that can win games because all it takes is you get into the playoffs and you have no idea what can happen. So, I would say that the Rangers certainly have been exceeding expectations from what I thought. I think that more potential is there to be a better team. And I think part of that will come from improvement from players on the roster and also trying to be active at the, at the trade deadline. But all things considered, it, it's hard for me to 
be too upset because right now, if I, if I were to look at it, um, thinking ahead to the playoffs, they have really good goaltending. That's important. They have really good special teams. That's also important. It's just the five on five play is a, is a little underwhelming, but we've seen teams before that have been able to overcome that. What is it that you think that the Rangers are missing? Like what, if they were to go shopping at the deadline because they decided this was a year that they were going to make a real push, what is it that they need in order to kind of get over that hump in the playoffs? So what they need is what they tra- traded away. Um, in the offseason, they traded away Pavel Buchnevich for Sammy Blay in a second round pick. Um, Buchnevich has been over a point per game player with for the St. Louis Blues. Um, if he were still with the team, he would be within the top five in scoring. Um, so they they need they need help on the wing because specifically the right wing because you have a lot of youth on, on that like obviously you have the promise in Capocaco um, Julian Gauthier has been okay on, on the right wing but they need established top six talent uh, um, that that can score primarily because as good as the team has been this year um, they're they're not scoring a ton of goals um, they're not giving up a ton of goals either but they need scoring because right now the way I look at things is you if you sort their scoring leaders, I don't have them all up in front of me, but it's basically all right, you have Panarin, you have Kreider, you have Zabanajad, you have Adam Fox, you have a couple other players sort of hanging around the periphery, and then there is a big drop. So Yeah, yeah. That that is is something that kind of scares me because again, like you know, come playoff time, we've seen it before. It's easy to isolate on um, you know certain players, and I think we learned from you know the Tampa Bay Lightning the importance of depth, where they were able to have you know really good third line, you know better than average fourth line, so that no matter who is on the ice. They were able to create chances. They were able to make it hard on on the opposition. So when I look at the Rangers, yes, it's really cool that they have a really good player in Artemi Panarin because of manager, you know, you name it. But there's a and the joke I've been saying, and like people get mad about it because you know it's like, oh, you just gotta let it go. They have a Pavel Buchnevich sized hole in their top six. Mm. So whether that's filled by trading for someone like Tomas Hurdle, who although is a center has played wing before or if they you know acquire Hurdle playing at center move someone else to wing um you know I'd love to see it happen but I don't know if it would you know I think Claude Giroux would be a great fit on the Rangers listen um, listen let's not I get know. crazy I know I know <laughs> Just got to say it. Like, I love Claude Giroux, but, you know, I, I don't yeah. know if that would, it would happen. Well, we want we want Giroux, if he's going to leave, which I, I kind of think he might, because why wouldn't he? Um, the hope, for me at least, is that he does a chemo team in and he goes directly to the team that's going to win the Stanley Cup this season. And despite how much better the Rangers are than I personally thought they would be at the start of the season, I don't think this is the year the Rangers. Oh yeah. No lock. Yeah. hundred percent agree with you. So I'm, I'm glad you kind of brought up the way that the scoring is going because I do have the numbers up and I was curious about them. 
Um, the leading scorer on the team is Adam Fox, mostly because he appears to be some kind of assist machine. He's got 37 points, five goals, 32 assists, which is wild. Um, and then you have those three guys you mentioned, Panarin, Kreider, and Zibanejad. Um, how are those three guys distributed? Are Panarin and Zibanejad on the top line and Kreider on the second line, or how, how's that working? So the way it's working right now, um, Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider are inseparable in um, all forms. Um, mm. you know, pretty much, you know, five on five, power play, social media posts, like they're <laughs> always always together. Um, and then Kako is rounding out that line. Um, and then the second line, it's always been um, Panarin on the left, Ryan Strom in the middle, and it's been pretty much a rotating. Um, second line right winger to mm. sort of take the place that Buchnevich, um filled previously um, within the top six. So at times, like most recently last night, it was um, Filipino who is primarily a center, but is being tried out on wing. Uh, at other times, it's been Julian Gauthier earlier in the year before he got injured. It was Dryden Hunt. So it's been pretty much and like that's the thing that's been most interesting about the Rangers and that I've noticed it's not so much been about line composition. It's kind of been pair. So it's okay. It's always Zibanejad and Kreider and someone else. It's always been Strom, Panarin and someone else, which it's kind of weird because you would think you would want to get lines set that you have three players individually working off of each other. But I think that, the, the approach that the Rangers have, have taken and whether this ultimately is successful or not, they have identified how they can generate offense and it's, you know, sort of flowing through um, two primary players on each line. And then it's maybe you're trying to find ultimately who that perfect fit is going to be to complement them. Um, but yeah, it, it's certainly strange. I would like it if they could have sort of consistent trios because my my philosophy of thinking is if they are going to make an addition, that that'll add some stability, but then it'll also push players down in the lineup to create mm -hmm. even more depth. That makes sense. Um, so depth seems to be a problem in your opinion, yeah. which I think, I mean, honestly, there are so few teams I feel like for which that's not a problem once you get past the top six. Like I feel like there's not a lot of teams with like super dangerous third lines and even fewer with dangerous fourth lines. Um, but outside of kind of, you know, bottom six scoring, what has been the weakest part of the Rangers game over the last couple of months? Um, I would say it's been the bottom of their defense. And like, it's kind of like a lame answer because I would say you look at like you just mentioned, you know, you look at any team around the league, you know, once you're outside their top six, it's it's really, you know, who's to say what's going to happen. But with the Rangers specifically, they, to me, it's annoying because they have these top defensive prospects. And, you know, in, in case of one of them, um, Braden Schneider was called up for his first NHL game last night. He scores in his, his debut, um, which is cool. Um, so right now he's getting a look on the third pair on the right side, but the Rangers then will decide 
all right, we're going to play Jared Tonorti. And, you know, he ends up scoring against Anaheim, which was kind of hilarious. But and then they also like, all right, we're going to give Libor Hayek another opportunity. Um, and it's just, to me, it's, they are playing sub replacement level players and they are making life a lot harder for themselves than just playing even neutral players, even if they are young, who have at least the promise of upside. So what then happens is that, yeah, like, obviously you're going to play your Adam Foxes, your Jacob Truba, as Ryan Lindgren, Keandre Miller a lot, but then you end up in situations where, okay, someone takes a, a penalty or, you know, oh, some, in some cases there's been, oh, you have two guys in the box. And I think one recent incident was, like um, Truva was took a, a fighting major with someone, and then someone else uh, took a unassociated penalty, um, and now you're down. Like, who are some of your regular penalty killers? And then you are in a position where you have to use these sub-level players, um, and and it's just not good for you. Whereas, at least if you are trying to put out the best possible lineup, not all right, I have someone who is grid or I have someone who has size and balance. It's you're going to end up being a lot better. So um, I think they're trying to figure this out because like they thought Patrick Nemeth, who they signed in the off season was going to be a good compliment, but he got off to a rough start. It hasn't been much better. He recently returned like he had been out for like personal reasons and it never was elaborated on that. So Obviously, we all hope everything w- was okay, um, but they just got this rotating cast of um, misfit toys that, for whatever reason, they keep taking out of the toy box. So then, if you're the Flyers looking at this game as a home game, obviously for the Flyers, the way that you're going to take advantage of the Rangers then is getting favorable matchups for the oh, most yeah. part. A hundred percent. Like anytime you know, Libor Hayek is on the ice. Anytime potentially Jared Tenorti is on the ice, um, and and there's no way way of knowing like what they're going to do because um, I I mean traditionally it, it feels like Rangers Flyer games have that sort of physicality element to it, and I think Tenorti will play if Ryan Reeves isn't back, you know, just because you need someone that can fight, even though you know it feels like fighting is down across the league. But that's think, something that the Flyers can take advantage of. Um, it's pretty much any time the Rangers have their, you know, fourth line or their bottom pair on the ice, which I guess is true of um, any other team in the league. But, but in the Rangers' case, it's just um, worse than it has to be given the options and the millions and millions and millions of dollars of cap space they've had all year long, but just decided to hoard um, for the right moment. So this is something I, I wasn't sure if I was going to ask you about because I thought it was kind of stupid, but you brought it up a little bit, so I'm going to ask you. Um, I There was a lot of kind of dunking on the Rangers for what people were calling the Tom Wilson effect and them going out and getting a guy like Reeves specifically because of that whole thing that happened with Wilson and like them feeling like they absolutely had to have some kind of answer to that kind of nonsense. Um, 
and you know, like, you know, Flyers fans, the Broad Street Hockey Slack chat, we were all kind of like, that's so stupid. Why would you do that? Doesn't make any sense. Um, but, you know, the, the Rangers are a you know, relatively good hockey team. They're winning games. Just for my own sanity, does the, the toughening up that they insisted on doing this offseason really have anything to do with the success that they found on the ice this year, or is it just coincidental? I think it has nothing to do with it. Um, like, the way I sort of look at it is they had Ryan Reeves, who obviously, you know, he's known as being one of the bigger heavyweights in the NHL. But, like, on opening night, um, you know, against the Capitals, there was absolutely no fireworks, no nothing. It was it was really um, super anticlimactic. And, um, you know, you kind of expect at least something to happen, like, all right, Let's have a blow up. Let's just end it. And, you know, that that's the end of it. But there was nothing. So then when the Rangers lose, I think it was 4-1 or 5-1, to one, it's like, wow, we literally, you know, we changed the direction of our, our offseason because of something that happened um, when we were missing some of our um, tougher players or, or players who would fight. Um, they had a Barkley Goodrow, too, is sort of like a kind of like grit, and grind role mm-hmm. player with with character and leadership and all those intangible buzzwords that make sense when you're part of a winning team but are otherwise um really not that important if your team is losing so like they they change the direction of their group but none of that has to do with the fact that you know Adam Fox is playing at a level that you don't really see among defensemen in the NHL. Um, Igor Shesterkin pretty much just picking up where Henrik Lundqvist left off when, when he left the team. Um, you know, Chris Kreider scoring at a goal scoring rate he has never had in his NHL career. And like, there's all these other things that they're just hitting right. at the right time. So, and again, it's also, it's them taking advantage of, of circumstance. Like, no one expected the Islanders to drop off the way that they have. No one right. thought that the devil, like, no one thought the devils were going to be as bad as, as they were. Like, they, they made tangible steps in the offseason to get better, but it hasn't quite worked out. Like, obviously, there, there's been injuries. And then again, like, the Flyers, too. Like, I, I think that the people thought that the Flyers were going to be better. They made moves. Um, like, to my understanding, Ristolainen has been better than expected. Um, yep. Keith Handel, not so much. Although I think that's kind of like they're trying to get him over the line for the Ironman streak, and then it'll be like, all right, Keith, get lost. Um, <laughs> so it's it's all of these things simultaneously happening. They're playing really well. They're getting exceptional performances. They're taking advantage of other teams in the division not playing well. Um, and it's really just kind of like a perfect storm. And, and people want to point to, all right, well, they made a coaching change. But then again, like they're still doing things that don't make sense. Um, so the true test to me is that they're accomplishing a lot of this with, you know, Alexis Lafreniere still leaving a little bit to be desired. Capital mm-hmm. Cackle still leaving a little bit to be desired. Um, you know, Philip Heedle still leaving a little bit to be desired, to which to me, 
it says that once those players do get to the level where they should be able to reach, this team could be really, really good. The only problem is, is that they're going to have a cap crunch come next year, which is why it feels like they are going to push a lot of chips in this year because the cap space is going to disappear. But to, to answer, you know, long-winded way of your original question, the Tom Wilson stuff, like, obviously it did have an impact um, because it felt like, uh, or it was admitted that it was not just the Tom Wilson stuff, but the, the games that they lost the Islanders, like their owner was embarrassed yeah. on how that kind of went down. So at least it was sort of an appeasement of, all right, well, let's have, let's have answers if uh, situations arise, but it's really just been, you're getting a lot of great performances out of really good players and taking advantage of other teams, you know, playing like crap. Right. So, because, you know, so for Flyers fans listening, I don't know if any of the crazy Flyers fans listen to this podcast, but just in case, um, it's not Barclay Goodrow and Ryan Reeves that have led to the Rangers rebuild leapfrogging the Flyers. It's, you know, Artemi Panarin wouldn't play anywhere else but New York. Adam Fox didn't want to play anywhere else but New York. And then somehow you guys won two draft lotteries and also locked into another ridiculous brick wall of a goaltender. Like sometimes you just get lucky, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's luck. I mean, and again, like when the Rangers went to uh, the cup final with with Elaine Vigneault, um, it was – a combination of having talent, having a new voice, but like what a lot of people kind of don't remember is that Rangers were down three, one in the second round to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, you know, Marty Sanoli's mother passes away and it's ahead of a, you know, game five um, in Pittsburgh. And it very, they very easily could have lost that game and not gone on that run, but it was just this weird, moment that brought them all together and they were able to overcome that and then they you know beat the um the canadians and then carry price gets injured in game one so like you can have really good teams but you kind of need luck and circumstance and, and weird shit to happen sometimes and like i look at the flyers and you know they have a lot of good young players like I, I, joel Faraby is someone who I kind of wish the Rangers had drafted because um, he would probably be a really good fit on this this roster. And then you obviously have like Cam York, who who's going to be really good, and uh, Carter Hart, who still has a lot of potential. Um, yeah. So like I I understand like how Flyers fans um, can get um, a little restless, and mm-hmm. you know I can understand. <laughs> it's putting a timeline, huh? <laughs> yeah, but you know it's sometimes you need luck and circumstance. So finally. What is your prediction for the final score of this game? So, like I say this half jokingly, um, it's an interesting circumstance because, um, like as I said at the beginning, Gerard Gallant is in the, the COVID protocol. So right now the acting head coach is former Flyers uh, assistant coach Chris Knobloch. And this happened last year. When, and his first game behind the bench when David Quinn went in the COVID protocol was against the Philadelphia Flyers. And that was a game where Mika Zibanejad went absolutely off. And I th- believe it was a 9 nothing win for the Rangers. Now, I don't think the Rangers are going to beat the Flyers 9 nothing again. Um, 
but I, I think they should win this game. They're back on, you know, Eastern time zone. Um, they have players coming out of the COVID protocol. Like Artemi Panarin had been in the COVID protocol, but now he's getting back up to speed. They have um, Shesterkin back. So I'm going to say I'm going to go with a score of four to two Rangers. I'm going to say 3-1 Rangers. We're in the same ballpark. Yeah. The Flyers might never win another game again, to be honest with you, Tom. They just might not. I'm becoming okay with it, I think. So where can the people find you on the internet? So you can find me um, on Twitter at Tom Merch Jr. Um, you can find me at Blue Shirt Banner. And at the, for the time being, you can also find me at Nights on Ice. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so th- those three places. Great. Tom, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for giving us a little bit of insight onto the Rangers. I hope that you enjoy the game. I hope that the Flyers fans listening enjoy the game at least a little bit. Everybody have fun out there. Go Flyers.